I'm Bill Griffith. Welcome to this podcast of Finding the Future, where we interview thought leaders and innovators driving sustainability in land use. Today, we head to the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota, where the country's largest mall is in the process of reinventing itself again. If you fly into the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport on a clear night, you can look through the acres of skylights into the Nickelodeon universe in the center of Mall of America. It's the largest shopping and entertainment destination in the country. From there, you'll see a whirl of colored lights that shine from roller coasters, rides, and other attractions in the seven-acre theme park, which serves as the mall's largest anchor. Every year, the mall attracts 40 million visitors from around the world, more than Disney World and Disneyland combined. So how does a destination of over 5 million square feet remain relevant or even sustainable after almost 30 years? Well, we've got to give people, you know, reasons to come back to Mall of America. We've got to set ourselves apart from standard regional shopping malls and really give them an experience. That's Kurt Hagen, Senior Vice President of Development for Triple Five, the owner and operator of Mall of America, West Edmonton Mall, and the American Dream Project in New Jersey. We need to create something that they can't, an experience that they can't get online. So we reinvent ourselves every day, new tenants out here literally every week, 350 to 400 events a year in our courts or so. We've got a whole department that's all they do is, is organize events out here at Mall of America to drive traffic to our retailers. We're continually adding entertainment that we're working on now. Our shift is, is away from bricks and mortar and, and retail and, and more into entertainment to create more of an experience. And so it's always creating something new, renovations. We've gone through the entire mall, renovated everything, and we'll continue to do that. So it's always fresh, always new. To the casual observer, it may seem that the water park is a project of Triple Five, the owner of Mall of America. However, under a unique financing arrangement, it's really a project of the city of Bloomington built under a nonprofit model. That nonprofit model allows the issuance of tax-exempt bonds to finance the project. The use of the nonprofit owner also shields Bloomington taxpayers from any risk. It's a project that the city and the developer have been working on for many years. A lot of work. Been working on it for about 30 years now, all right? Um, well, literally, yes. So, so literally from, from the onset, you know, the Grammasian family always had vision of having a water park here at Mall of America, much like they do at the West Edmonton Mall. It's very successful and takes a very large footprint. And through you know, various reasons, we hadn't moved forward with phase two, hadn't found a footprint really on the phase one site that would work and, or the public funding model that would allow it to be financed and moved forward. We've, we've now done that with, with the help of your firm at the legislature and, and um, special law that will uh, allow us to move forward with the financing of the water park. And now we've got a site and we've got you know, a lot of infrastructure work that's been put in place over the years, the uh, lowering of Lindau Lane that allows that to be integrated with the mall. So all the pieces have finally come together to allow us to hopefully move forward with that project. When Mall of America and the city of Bloomington say they're adding a water park, you have to understand that they are talking about the ultimate water park, one that delivers the wow factor. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, there's a lot of things special about this one. One, yes, it is bigger. This will be the largest water park in North America. Largest water park now, an indoor water park in North America is the West Edmonton Mall, has been for, for 30 years, literally. The American Dream Project that's under construction that'll open this fall is larger than West Edmonton Mall, will be just slightly larger than 
the, the advantage of going right behind American Dream was I'm making sure we're going to be about five square feet bigger than that one so we can call ourselves the largest water park in North America. So it's, it's special because it, it is large. It really is. The, the, the scale is, it, it, there's a very big wow factor when you walk into, if you've seen West Edmonton Mall and, and see a 250,000 square foot indoor water park. But it so it provides an experience that you can't get at the Dells and what I'll call the smaller water parks and the smaller water park experiences. But it's also the fact that it's integrated with Mall of America. So you're not going to just a water park destination. You have the, the project, you've got the amusement park, you've got a lot of other things you can do on your trip to the water park and hopefully shop while you're here at the mall. You're going to eat in our restaurants, you're going to stay in our hotels. So it's really what also sets it apart, I think, is the integration with Mall of America. Mall of America is quite different from other retail locations. There's a powerful combination of entertainment and attractions, which is targeted to bring in tourists. And with travel packages sold around the world, Mall of America even attracts international visitors. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we do get people here, uh, international travelers particularly. And usually it's not a week, it's usually four or five days. We still have the shop till you drop trip um, out of Europe that's been here since day one, which is about a four-day trip. And that's still a very successful tour package where people come over and shop for two and a half days and, and get back on a plane and they're back to work by Monday morning. So um, yeah, it's probably three to four days is more typical than someone coming here for a week. I think that's part of the reason we're adding water park and, and phase two other attractions is to be able to extend that stay for guests. We're, we're a very big project, more than you can see in a day, but, but a week we need more attractions to really keep people here longer. Some observers have noted that the South Loop District, that's where the mall is located, has added a lot of condos and apartments in recent years. So we wanted to know if people will someday live there. We believe there are more productive uses for the land than housing for Mall of America. So if you've got the option to build a residential tower or a hotel tower on the same footprint, hotel towers as we've done with the JW and the Blue, those guests are very productive for coming into the mall, dining in the mall, shopping in the mall. And the use in terms of parking is, is perfect because they need parking at night, we need it during the day. And so it literally almost takes no parking to add hotels. If you add residential, now you're taking out a spot that's really dedicated for that guest or for that homeowner. And it doesn't work real well with our shared parking model, but also again, those, those guests are not as productive to a new hotel guest literally coming every night, staying in that room, coming into the mall. Key to the success of Mall of America are recent expansions, including Radisson Blue and the JW Marriott, as well as an office tower. This all adds to foot traffic. And to support high density development, the public has invested in infrastructure as the project grows. The public involvement, well, it, since day one, it's really been in the, in the form of public infrastructure. Right, uh, everything, bricks and mortar has been privately financed, but the infrastructure has been with the help of the state, with the city of Bloomington. And you really need that because these, you know, land use, land planners don't typically plan for a, you know, five and a half million square foot development going in what is now 78 acres today, what exists. So roads, infrastructure, sewer, parking, the, the land use is not built to accommodate that much density. So you have to increase the size of the roads, you've got to increase the size of the sewer, the water, parking, you can't do grade parking like you do in a, 
regional shopping mall where you've just got, you know, 30 acres of grade parking, you know, for us to accommodate the amount of parkers that we have, we would literally need 100 acres. So from a land use standpoint, that doesn't make sense. So you need to pull that into structured parking to get that closer to the project and to not consume as much land. Well, to do structured parking, you're paying $22,000 a stall versus $3,000 on on grade, and you multiply that times 15,000 stalls, that, that's, a, that's a very big number that needs to be, and always has been in, in our project, free parking. So there's no revenue source for that. You know, in, in the phase one, it was $100 million. Um, so that, that can't be financed privately. There's no revenue source. If you load that onto the pro forma on the private side, the project's just not viable. So we need the help of the, the state assistance the, through tax increment financing in this case to offset those costs, to actually pay for those costs. And the return for the state is significant, you know, $150 million a year. I think we're over a uh, you know, billion and a half dollars in total taxes generated out of this project to date. So it's a, it's a, it's a win-win. It's a win-win for the developer to be able to, to allow us to move forward with the private side of the development, having the public infrastructure taken care of. It's also a win for the state, the region, and the city of Bloomington with all the spin-off taxes that are created by the project. City planners love to talk about urban density in the same breath as land use sustainability. In short, what they're really saying is development must be efficient, and Mall of America has learned to do this better than most. Well, I think it really, um, a couple of things. One, it, it saves land, right? When you can get density as five and a half million square feet and 78 acres that we have on, on phase one, that's a great use for 78 acres versus taking a typical five and a half million square foot development or five and a half million square feet would probably consume, you know, hundreds of acres if you look up and down 494 strip and, and, and try to cobble together five and a half million square feet of development, you're literally looking at hundreds of acres of land. So we can put that all together in a very compact footprint, if you will, but also creates, you know, energy when you have that much density and, and this many people all together kind of feed off each other. With more people coming to Mall of America more often and staying longer, issues surrounding transportation have to be adapted and updated, and that includes transit. It's very convenient for hotel guests to come into the project, for the entertainment guests that are coming out here to dine, all of it being together, walkable within you know, the same project, I think adds to the energy and the, vi the viability of the project. So the transit station is being expanded. This is the busiest transit hub by any metric in, in, in the state. And transit isn't just for guests. It's a critical component for employees, too. In fact, Mall of America has become a regional transportation hub for the area. Transit has been particularly helpful, I would say more so for our employees than our guests. Typically the guests, because the parking is so convenient, because the infrastructure and the roads are so easy to get here, as opposed to if you're in New York City or something like that, where it's just di difficult to physically move around with your car. Here it's very easy to get to. So the locals do drive, they've got packages. They don't, they don't want the inconvenience of getting on the transit and getting off on a stop and walking with packages to their home or wherever they're going. So for the most part, I think our guests still come by either if they're coming by hotel shuttle, if they're coming by Uber, if they're coming by taxi, or if they're coming by car. But we approximately 25% of the all employees that work in the mall today come by transit. And that's, that's a significant number. That's you know, two to 3,000 employees that come out here using transit. 
We have a very diverse workforce, yes, and, and so it is easy for employees to get here, particularly if they live anywhere, literally every bus route that will take you to a transit route or a bus rapid transit route comes here to Mall of America. So we have more destination-oriented buses and trains than any other stop in, in the Twin Cities. So it's probably easier to get here than even downtown Minneapolis. We know that Mall of America is a popular travel destination for many. So not surprisingly, promoters of sporting events and conventions use the mall as a key to securing bids. Whether for football championships or basketball championships or other sporting events, most of the visitors end up at Mall of America at some point during their trip. Oh, absolutely. So we're hitting March Madness right now in spring break crowd. This, this literally March is nearly as much, we'll have nearly as much traffic in March as we do November. So it is as busy as the holiday season. We'll have 50,000 cars come out here today. We'll have 100,000 people. So uh, it is, you know, a destination-oriented people coming in for the state tournaments, state basketball tournaments, state hockey tournaments. So if you're coming in from northern Minnesota, watch your team. Those people like to stay out at Mall of America or around Mall of America, see the mall while they're out here, while their teams are playing, whether it's downtown St. Paul or, or Minneapolis. So it becomes part of their itinerary, if you will, coming into town. March Madness, literally the final four that will be here in a, in a few weeks, will bring hundreds of thousands of guests to Mall of America Super Bowl. When that was here uh, a couple of years ago, incredibly successful for the mall. It was packed uh, literally for 10 days. So we become you know, a destination and we become part of the itinerary of people coming into town. If you're coming to Minnesota to watch the Super Bowl, you're gonna stop out at Mall of America. You've heard of Mall of America, you wanna see Mall of America, you wanna experience it, uh, much less people that would come out here and literally take the trains downtown Minneapolis and, and not have to fight with the parking and pay $25 and, and, and walk six blocks. They came out here, shopped, took the train downtown, came back, had dinner, went back to their hotels and hopefully one of ours, or actually they couldn't take one of ours at the Super Bowl, they were taken by the teams, but, That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, so we have, you know, event, regional, national events like that to come into town are very big for us, but just annual events like the state hockey tournaments and basketball tournaments and that happen here in the Twin Cities, we become part of that itinerary. Thanks to a 30-year partnership with the city of Bloomington, the mall continues to attract 40 million visitors each year even in a time of turbulence for the retail industry. That partnership has produced three new phases since the project opened in 1992. And now the most ambitious project yet is the water park. That addition will not only attract new visitors to Mall of America, it will provide a recreational amenity for the city's residents to enjoy for years to come. Add to that acres of undeveloped land around Mall of America, and I had to ask Kurt Hagen if the project will ever be done. Well, as you know, we have development rights for another 5 million square feet. We've got land, 60 acres of land, uh, another 15 acres under control with the uh, Ramada site. So we have more undeveloped land than we do developed land. And we've got development rights to, to, uh, to develop that. So, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that the project will ever be done. By the time we expand and grow, you know, there's con always constant uh, redevelopment going on, even within the project. Sears now uh, closed last week, becomes an opportunity for us to redevelop that site, whether we take, take it down and, and redevelop it as hotels or office or entertainment. I'm not sure what we're gonna do with that site yet, but there's always opportunities like that. And when you, know, when you have five and a half million square feet and someday probably closer to 10 million square feet, 
there will always be opportunity. So I don't think we'll ever be done. You know, the, 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 as the market changes, as expectations change, we need to change with that. And, and so when we get corners or stores or areas that we can redevelop to hit the, you know, now some of the latest trends, e-gaming, e-gaming arenas, never heard of them 10 years ago, right? So you, you need inventory, either land inventory or, or the ability to redevelop portions of the existing project to put new concepts in. And I think we've done a good job of really securing land around us to allow us to do that. It's easy to see why Mall of America continues to attract visitors. And it's largely due to innovations in marketing, social media, attractions, and entertainment. In fact, many people come from around the country to test out new concepts at the mall. What's the next big thing after the water park? According to Hagen, it's probably e-gaming or e-sports, one of the fastest growing leisure activities in the country. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining us for Finding the Future and look for additional podcasts and interviews on innovations in land use. I'm Bill Griffith.